Hi, this is Sean Fenske, editor of MPO and ODT Magazine, and I'm here once again for another Mike on MedTech. For this uh, episode, we wanted to take a look at a recent editor's letter that I wrote in the March uh, 17 issue of MPO, and uh, that was with regard to a blog that Dr. Jeffrey Shuren had penned in the FDA voice blog uh, regarding uh, hospitals and their review of medical devices, uh, or not so much their review, but more their reporting of incidents and uh, possible concerns with medical devices. So, of course, I called up our, our resident FDA insider, or I shouldn't say insider, but our expert-in-chief, uh, Mike Drews from Vascular Sciences, to get his insight and to see if I you know, missed the mark on this or if I was right on point, uh, just kind of get his insights and hopefully have a discussion on this topic. So welcome, Mike, to another episode. Thank you, Sean. Always a pleasure to, to be with you and your audience. Thanks. So let me get started with, uh, with the uh, column. So my, my points that I brought up included whether or not this was truly an effort for uh, uh, patient safety, if it was a little bit on the side of uh, initiating a, whistle, a whistleblower-type situation at hospitals where uh, device reporting wasn't being uh, uh, done correctly, uh, whether it's ultimately tasking the hospitals with too much. Uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that this can go or that this can be interpreted. What's, what's your take on it? Well, Sean, it was a terrific column, like all of your columns, um, and I think it touched on some very important issues. Just a tiny bit of backstory for the benefit of the audience that may not be real familiar with this. Uh, first of all, you're referring to uh, Dr. Shuren, who is the um, current uh, top medical device person at FDA. He um, uh, runs the Centers for Devices and Radiological Health, CDRH. He's been there for a number of years. Um, but with the new administration in office and the new FDA commissioner that will be uh, uh, approved soon, that might change. Uh, but anyway, uh, what Dr. Shuren was, was talking about and what you go on to elaborate on in your column is the uh, reporting or lack thereof that uh, happens when medical devices have problems either there's a malfunction or they're used improperly or something. Ideally, or at least theoretically, all of these things should be reported both to the manufacturer as well as to the FDA. But the unfortunate reality, and this has been a problem for quite a long time, is that <clears throat> many times they are not reported. And, Sean, let me share um, a statistic from the drug side of the world just to kind of put things in perspective. I know, obviously, this is a medical device audience, but in the drug world, this is something we call pharmacovigilance. And uh, this is a statistic from Applied Clinical Trials magazine. Uh, we can certainly um, provide the, the source to your, uh, to, to, to your audience. But listen to this. Only an estimated 10% of all drug-related adverse events are actually recorded, reported to manufacturers or regulators. 10% of drug-related adverse events are actually reported to manufacturers or regulators, which means if we spin it the other way, 90% of drug-related adverse events are not reported. So to be fair, this is obviously a problem in the medical device world, but it is not unique to medical devices. We face the same problem in drugs. Now, granted, 
in the drug world, we have more robust regulatory requirements across the board, including for reporting of problems. Um, but in the medical device world, um, you know, we have a lot of room for improvement as well. Um, so I think bottom line, this is something that, um, in my opinion, is a legitimate concern that all of us should be thinking about. You know, we all tend to view the world through our own particular set of eyeglasses, through our own experiences. Many companies will assume that if they're uh, if they're not hearing about problems with their devices, then there are no problems. And I've never made such an assumption. The late, great Carl Sagan used to say, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So just because you don't have problems being reported to you doesn't necessarily mean that your devices are all working fine and that we should all just uh, pat ourselves on the back. That may be the case, but not always. So now... Dr. Shuren had, had mentioned, you know, one of, the, one of the findings included that hospital staff is not being properly trained. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but is it also just a matter of this is, being, this is just yet another task that's being handed down to the hospitals who are already understaffed, overwhelmed, you know, trying to deal with, with getting, getting patients out the door, and, and not to mention now they've got to ensure that, you know, hospital-acquired infections aren't, aren't occurring because they're not going to be able to, to be reimbursed for them. So is this just too much for the hospitals to do? Do we need a new system that kind of alleviates this or takes this off of the, the hospital's hands? Well, that's a great question, Sean. Uh, first of all, I'm sure that training is, a, is, is one of many pieces that go into this puzzle. But to be honest with you, I don't think that's a major piece. I think, quite frankly, it's a matter of priority. Um, you hit the nail on the head a moment ago when you said that, you know, folks working in hospitals have an awful lot of things to worry about, you know, as it is. Um, and, you know, according to the new MDR, Medical Device Reporting Guidance, um, that, that came out just last year, people are supposed to report uh, serious adverse events that go on to significant injuries or, in, certain, uh, in some cases, deaths. Obviously, when a problem like that occurs, um, those kind of incidents, the most severe, are most likely to get reported. But let's be honest, there's a lot of times where a medical device may not work properly. There might be a, a, a relatively minor problem. Um, I remember early on in my career, I've been playing this game now for about 25 years, when I started out as an R&D engineer in cardiology, it was fairly common for a cardiologist to use a catheter in a patient if there was a problem, a minor problem with the catheter. Maybe the, uh, the, the balloon didn't inflate properly or something like that. They would simply take it out of the patient, set it aside, and put in a new one, and nothing else was, was done after that. Uh, and that, was, uh, th that happened over and over and over again. Um, clearly, if a tip of the catheter broke off and got stuck in the patient, especially if that went on to cause a, a, a thromboembolic event or something, then most likely that kind of an incident was reported. Um, so I think clearly there needs to be easier ways for this reporting to happen. And by the way, some problems I think can be best solved by regulatory solutions. Other problems can be best solved by technological solutions. One of the many companies that I'm working with right now, they're developing a new 
technology for electronic medical devices um, such that when the device uh, encounters a problem, that information is automatically reported electronically to the manufacturer, to the hospital, to the FDA, to some sort of a central database, kind of like, um, um, you know, in, in, in airplanes, you have the, the black box recorder kind of a thing. Right. Well, imagine something like that with one step further, it automatically transmits that information to, uh, to some sort of a central agency uh, that, would, that would monitor and, and track it and so on. That's the kind of system that eventually I would like to see because then we will, we will have a much more realistic picture of what's happening in the real world. And you actually had mentioned something that's similar to uh, something I brought up in, in the letter, which was uh, possibly a solution, a technology solution, through uh, electronic health records and, and determining a way to, uh, you know, when data is entered from a, into a patient's record, you know, perhaps as a check, was this caused by a device? Was this drug-related? You know, it could be used for a few different areas, um, you know, perhaps having that upload to a database as well. Uh, yeah, that's possible. That. The electronic health record or, or, uh, is one possibility, but the technological solution that I just mentioned, I think, is a is a, a um, uh, if you will, a more uh, elegant, a more robust way to solve that because it's not manual. It doesn't require any people at all. Um, it's automatically it's automatically done in the background, so to speak. Right, right. That's true, and and obviously, as more electronics permeate devices. Uh, you know, we're going to have smarter and smarter, you know, the, the medical Internet of things. Uh, this is not going to be all that difficult uh, in, you know, in several years with newer, newer technologies. That's exactly right. And let's be, let's be brutally honest, Sean. I mean, we see ads on the TV now for refrigerators and all kinds of home appliances that are hooked up to the Internet um, that you can uh, see what the content of your refrigerator is from your grocery store. It can even alert you if you're low on milk or something like that. I, you know, as a, as a former engineer and a, and a Ph.D. in biomedical engineering myself, these are things that we could easily incorporate into many medical devices, certainly the electronic ones, if we really wanted to. Granted, for mechanical devices, um, catheters, stents, heart valves, hip implants, that will be a little bit more of a challenge. But at least let's start out with the easy ones first, the electronic ones, especially the ones that are already uh, hooked up to some form of communication, whether it's phone, Internet, what have you. That's the lowest of the low-hanging fruit, it seems to me. Right. And now, obviously, patient safety is primary concern and, and the primary goal of improving this reporting system. But there's that, that tinfoil hat uh, uh, version of me or in the back corner of my mind that says, well, wait a minute, is, is the FDA also using this possibly? As, you know, do they want to see enhanced reporting or improved reporting as a way of uh, uh, calling out off-label use or so, you know, something like that? for devices or, you know, being done by the hospital? Is that, you know, is, is that holding water or is, is that a little too conspiracy theory? No, I don't think it's too conspiracy theory at all, Sean. It just goes to show you what, what you're cognizant of, and quite frankly, I think more people in this industry need to be cognizant of, and that is not simply, um, well, let me say it this way. Many people will assume 
that our medical devices um, are used only in the way that they're intended and they're, they're labeled to be used. But the simple reality is we all know that's not the case. Off-label use, for better or for worse, is rampant in our society. And when it gets into problems associated with off-label use, um, that gets into a very nebulous area from a regulatory perspective. Um, this is really a topic of a whole different discussion because it gets into risk uh, mitigation strategy, it gets into design controls, it gets into uh, medical device reports I mentioned earlier, MDRs. Um, in my opinion, the regulation is very weak in this, in this entire area because we typically limit ourselves to considering risks, for example, associated with the on-label use of our product. But when it gets to risks associated with the off-label use, that's where most companies stay away from, not simply from regulatory reasons, but even more importantly from product, product liability reasons. And uh, simply put, if we have more uh, reporting of medical device problems while they're on the market, uh, one of the things that we're going to continue to try to um, uh, try to, you know, one of the biggest challenges is which of these events are uh, associated with on-label use, and which of these are associated with off-label use, and then once we do identify the ones that are associated with off-label use, what do we actually do about it? In other words, um, you know, are we going to uh, now start requiring companies to be responsible for problems that happen be because of their medical device, even when that device is used in an off-label fashion? So like many things in, in regulatory, this is truly a, uh, uh, a, a double-edged sword. You know, on one hand, kudos to FDA and to Dr. Shuren for, um, you know, for trying to make the world a better place, for trying to encourage w better ways to see how our products are being used, and in, 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 uh, especially when problems occur. But on the other hand, we are getting further into that uh, Pandora's box of, uh, you know, what, how do we handle problems associated with off-label use? I personally, as an engineer, take the philosophy of I don't want to just simply limit myself to thinking about how my medical device is going to be used in the theoretical world where people, you know, read and follow uh, directions for use and so on, um, but in the actual world where uh, people, you know, probably don't do that. And ideally, perhaps this leads to, you know, if there's off-label use that's not causing a problem but is being reported, perhaps on a positive side, it leads to a uh, approval pathway rather than a, uh, you know, a slap on the wrist or, or, you know, a penalty for these device manufacturers because their, uh, their devices are being used off-label. Uh, one, one last question I have, is there anything that you can suggest that device manufacturers can do now to help enhance the reporting of perhaps devices that are, or technologies that are already out in the field? Is there anything device manufacturers can do now, or is it really more of a forward-looking, you know, like you had mentioned, the electronics, uh, the Internet of, or medical Internet of Things, that communication platform being incorporated uh, into it, or is there things that they can do now? Well, bottom line, Sean, um, there's a lot of things that we can do right now. First of all, let's not limit ourselves, as uh, Dr. Shuren did in this particular blog, to hospitals. 
um, because the, rep the responsibility here is to all users of our uh, medical devices. Sometimes it's a hospital, sometimes it's a physician or a surgeon or a nurse, sometimes it's a patient. And nowadays, with, as you know, Sean, with the growing trend in home-based medical devices, uh, reporting of problems is even going to become more of a challenge in the future. So simply put, I think the manufacturer needs to make this as easy um, at, uh, um, as they possibly can for everybody that's involved here. Um, you know, if, if, if we create a system where it's going to take, you know, tens of minutes to report even a, tri a trivial problem, I guarantee that very few people are going to bother doing it, no matter what the requirements say. It's got to be a very easy, you know, maybe you uh, simply <coughs> uh, fill out a little uh, postcard that has a questionnaire and you drop it in the mailbox. Um, and when you sell your medical device, you include, you know, a stack of these postcards. Um, maybe you have a, a website where you go and you fill out, you know, a, a very quick uh, questionnaire. And I would like to um, actually go so far as to, to make the initial report of the, the problem as easy as possible and then put the burden on the manufacturer, because this really is the, the manufacturer's responsibility, to triage those. In other words, maybe there are certain questions that would sort out the, the minor, the trivial kind of problems from the major ones. And for the major ones, then the uh, manufacturer goes back to the customer, to the, to the hospital, to the surgeon, to the, to the home base user, and pings them for more information. Because one of the biggest challenges that I faced, and again, this was 20-plus years ago, when a uh, medical device came back from the field uh, experiencing a problem, even if it was a significant problem, one of the things that I had to do as an R&D engineer is to, do, uh, is, is to recreate the circumstances that led to that particular failure. And more often than not, we did not have very much information to go on. You know, the only time that you really get a lot of information is, God forbid, if somebody dies. Because if somebody dies, now everybody stops what they're doing, they document everything, and you get a ton of information for all the obvious reasons. It's the cases where somebody doesn't die. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the balloon simply doesn't inflate or deflate properly, and the, and the cardiologist sets us aside and takes another one. Those kinds of situations are much more difficult to recreate. And if we can't accurately recreate the uh, environment that led to that particular failure, it's very difficult for us to identify the root cause. It's very difficult to determine if it's a design issue, a material issue, a manufacturing issue, a user issue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities here. So simply put, we need to make this process as easy for everybody as possible and then we need to have a, a way to, to triage these events as we, um, as we get them. The regulation has now started to go in a little bit in this direction, but in my opinion, there are many, many more steps that needed to be added. And on a personal note, Sean, I think it's unfortunate that we as an industry don't take the initiative to do these things ourselves, and we seem to be waiting for FDA to tell us that we have to do it. It just seems to me that this is our responsibility as, as good engineers working in this field um, to, do, you know, to do the right thing, so to speak. Well, 
Great points and, and advice for, uh, for the members of industry listening, uh, as always, so appreciate that. And unfortunately, though, that's all the time we have for this uh, episode of Mike on MedTech. Uh, hopefully, this is a topic we can revisit in a future episode, perhaps where we have an example of a, a manufacturer who's doing it correctly, and we can take a look at what they've done. Uh, otherwise, until then, we'll be back next month with a new topic and a new discussion. As always, if you have any topics, please reach out to me at svensky at rodmanmedia.com. It'll also be linked right on the page. With any topics or suggestions that you'd like for Mike and, and I to speak about, and we'll take a look at that topic for a future episode. Until then, on behalf of Mike Drews, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening to today's episode. Thanks. 